Welcome to Try This at Home with Leslie and Leslin, a podcast that offers you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating a better life. Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. More than half of my clients are couples, and I've learned a lot about what kinds of things are cancers in marriages. Some of them grow fast and kill quickly. Others are slow burners showing up years after the damage began. Today, we're describing some of these issues that can impact relationships so that you can decide for yourself if yours needs help. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. Hi, Les. How are you? I am good. How are you? Good. I'm missing you. It's been since March since we've seen each other. I know. On one hand, I feel like it's only been since March because this year feels like it's four years long, but that's a long time. Normally, we see each other a lot more frequently than that. I know. I mean, I really am, frankly, longing for those days when we did our planning sessions over food at a restaurant someplace <laughs> local and, yeah. and you know, had a chance to catch up in life. So yeah, I hope all is well. Yeah. We can't complain here. Really Good. can't. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll knock on wood <laughs> and um, hope that the winter brings us, you know, the fall and the winter brings us all a little comfort. I ordered, uh, well, I ended up with almost a full cord of wood. And considering that the only place I have to burn it is outdoors in my little fire pit, I thought, that's really my only option of socializing this winter. Right. So I'm, I've got lots of good season dry wood now. And, you know, if you ever feel like a glass of wine, hanging out, get away from your kids, the door is open. Yeah, yeah, I was quite impressed with that stack I saw you posted on, on social media. I was like, that is a lot of wood to be stacking up. <sighs> yeah, and I am too old for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Quite the workout. Now, in all in all honesty, it got wheelbarrowed to me. So all I had to do was bend over, lift it, stack it, bend over, lift it, stack it. And back in the day, five, six years ago, six or seven years ago, I would order two cords every year because we had a wood-burning fireplace. And literally every night from Halloween on, it seemed, we would have a fire in the fireplace. And my kids hated seeing that wood guy come. Uh. Like it was like, <laughs> how sick could they instantly get so that they wouldn't have to <laughs> stack wood? You know, and it, it's. I had a wood shed and everything because it just we had a lot of wood. I am jealous. We have a fireplace, but we just have the stupid old gas fireplace, which doesn't even smell as good as a fireplace should smell. I mean, come on. So says the person who didn't have to stack two cords of wood for 20 years. 100%. Because <laughs> <laughs> today I go in my den, I push a little button and the fire pops on and I am happy as a bug in a rug. <laughs> See, but less I have three kids too. I can make them. Yeah. Hey, now. fair. Fair. And you know, I I mean, in all honesty, there's a little hard work ethic kind of thing that got built into that. 
Yes. You know, and my son, I'm pretty sure his comment was, yeah, so what, mom? <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's just wood. Isn't that what you used to tell me? It's just wood. Yeah. Anyway, so today I really, I, I didn't want this season to end. This topic has been on our list really since we started the podcast. Yeah, yeah. We're just now getting around to it. And so I thought, you know, this this is a topic that comes up if you're in a relationship, whether it's long-term or short-term, you know, in other words, whether you've been in it for just a couple of months or if you've been in it for many, many years, there are challenges to being in a relationship. Yes. <laughs> you know, 306, 24-7, 365, that number, man, it's a lot. It it certainly is. I know I've even, it feels weird to me. Like I'm, I mean, I'm still pretty young, right? But I've been married 12 years and that seems like such a long time to me. Like that seems like a big number for me to say. Yeah. And, I mean, congratulations. A lot of couple, you know, it's, a lot of couples don't make it that long. Right. And it's, right. and so, you know, I mean, I'm glad one of us is, married. I mean, I've obviously been married and I can attest to many of the things that we're talking about. But I think that it's important. Uh, there's some things, like I said in the intro, that are big kills, big, fast and furious kills. Yeah. Those are violations of our deal breakers, right? And they are different for different people. Honesty, integrity, fidelity, those kind of things. When you counsel people who have had affairs, how many of them make it through that and how many don't, do you think? So that's a really good question. You know, first of all, I would say that a huge percentage of people never even go to counseling. They ha There's an affair, the marriage is over, and that's it. Yeah. I know of a couple who had an affair, never went to counseling, swept it under the rug and pretended like everything was fine. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, it seems like a cancer festering if there ever was one. But well, and I and I think we can definitely put that in the slow and obvious category because it certainly has the potential to be that, right? Yeah, yeah. There are. I I usually tell people when they come in for therapy, for couples therapy, that. If they're invested in saving the marriage and they do the work, there's a 50% chance they can make it happen. Yeah. It's interesting you bring that up. I was talking to Dustin a little bit in preparation for these two episodes and just getting his, you know, his perspective on our marriage, basically. And of course, being the little nerdy that he is, he <laughs> he brought up a study that was published, I think, a year or two ago about basically plan B. And if people have a strong plan B, they're more likely to give up on what they're doing, their current plan. And his girlfriend, he only he, he actually did only one girl before me, but she really had a very like her her she didn't really feel very strongly, I should say, maybe about marriage. Like she wanted to get married, but her 
outlook was, well, if it doesn't work, we just get divorced. No big deal. That's what we do. We just get divorced. And so her plan B was, well, just get divorced. Who cares? It's not a big deal. And so I think that people who, you know, Dustin and I don't feel that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not like we're, we would judge anyone for getting a divorce. It's, it's there. And it's, there's definitely times when it, you know, needs to happen for sure, I believe. But, you know, we don't view it as like, oh, it's no big deal. We'll just get divorced, you know? Right. And I think that that plan B piece, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more because there's an integral part of it that I think is destructive. Yeah. But it, those, often those quick, so I should also say that affairs don't happen in healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And that's, that's just true. So the relationship is typically not vulnerable to the attention of someone outside the marriage if it's healthy. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that you can't have an unhealthy person in a marriage, right? But generally, sure. if there's an unhealthy person in a marriage, there's probably either two unhealthy people or somebody who's reacting to the unhealthy person. Yeah. Yeah. So so we're really going to focus. I really wanted to kind of sit back and break apart some of those slow growing kind of issues that build into cancer. You know, and it's fascinating to me because as women, we get pap smears because we're screening for cancer. Right. We get mammograms because we're screening screening for cancer. You know, at a certain age, we get colonoscopies, all of us, so that we can screen for cancer. Yeah. And because so many of them, when they're caught early enough, aren't life-threatening. Right. They're and, completely treatable. Yeah. Exactly. And the same is true for issues in our relationships. So it, these slow-growing things, I want to make it really, really clear. If you screen for them and you pay attention and you get treatment, it'll be just like any other thing that you can fix it. Yeah. Okay. That's really, so that's really interesting when you put it like that. Like, why don't we do that? Why don't we? (laughs) (laughs) I know it's, it's, it. You know, it's, it really is mind-boggling. And I tell people all the time, I'm so glad you're here because everything, every material thing in our life that we want to keep requires maintenance. Yes. Our house, our car, <laughs> our lawn, <laughs> our tools, right? Our furnace, yeah. our air conditioner. Our carpeting, our floors. Think about it. Every single thing that we want to keep requires maintenance. Why don't we think about that when it comes to our relationships? We definitely should. That's like what, and and also like, you know, me being interested in cleaning. It's like everything that you clean weekly is so that it doesn't get broken down and disgusting you know yes it's maintenance it's like yes and so 
All right, let's think about this. So some of the slow and obvious things. Bickering. Yes. And I'm talking about the kind of backstabbing, degrading bickering that happens when we are being passive aggressive with our partners. The things that say, well, go ahead, you'd probably, you know, you always do it anyway. That little, that little jab, those little, those little darts that you throw to get in the last word. Yeah. And I would say, Dustin and I talked about this because I think humor is important, obviously, in pretty much any relationship, romantic or not. But humor, when it's sarcasm, is often this disguised as a joke. Yes, yes, yes. And it's not usually a joke. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I, you know, I, my son can be super sarcastic. And he always has been. But I said to him one day, I said, you know, sarcasm is a form of anger, Frank. Yeah. And, and so now he'll say to me, oh, I guess I'm angry, mom. which is sarcastic right (laughs) i'm laughing so hard because i could totally see myself doing that well and so (laughs) i want to be clear when it comes to sarcasm what you're saying is absolutely true but it's also true that sarcasm is a form of humor yes it is and there is a very fine line so if you're sarcastic in nature I think it's super important to know that about yourself and understand where the line is for you and maybe make a conscious choice not to use sarcasm one way or the other, right? Like you have to kind of pick a side you're going to play on when it comes to sarcasm. Otherwise, it can be super confusing to your partner. Yeah, and if you're in the middle of an argument, you need to turn it off. Like, just don't even try to use it. Just, it's not the place. That's right. Yeah, that's so right. The other thing about bickering is I think it's really important to understand what bickering, what connotation it holds for you. I, I had clients years ago and they were young and maybe only married three or four years. And he came, you know, they... She came in and she said, we just fight all the time. And he said, we don't fight. You know, we bicker. It's no big deal. You go to bed, you get over it, you wake up the next morning, you try again. And she just thought the world was ending. Mm, Right. And what we discovered is that the pattern he described is what his parents used. Like he watched them bicker. They resolved it. They went to bed. They made up. They got up the next morning as if it never happened. Right. Her parents, on the other hand, never bickered in front of the kids. She never witnessed them having a disagreement. Yeah. And so when she and her partner were having disagreements, she thought the marriage was ending. Mm. And I thought that was such an interesting insight. And they really had to spend some time finding a place between those two positions that was comfortable to both of them so that she felt safe in the relationship 
and yet he wasn't he wasn't having to hold back his frustrations. Yeah, we have a we have a rule around here. We we do fight in front of our kids. And usually it's not like, you know, a really, really, really serious argument, but just day in, day out kind of stuff. But if we fight in front of them, we also make sure that we make up in front of them. Um, I love that. So that, you know, because, yeah, I don't I don't want my kids to think that our marriage is like, quote unquote, perfect, because that obviously doesn't exist. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I want them to see like you can still love somebody an incredible amount and fight with them and it's OK. Because mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. me, that's that's realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, that kind of brings me to the next point, and that is criticism. And criticism might be bickering, but often it's it's more subtle downplays or downputting that happens. I can't believe you did it like that. Or, Jesus, don't be stupid. Or you never always, you know, those kinds of things we've talked about before, Telling someone that they'll never get it right, that's a critical comment. Telling someone that they can't possibly be good at something or they, you know, they um, always doing it wrong, those kinds of critical things. What are you wearing that for? That looks ridiculous. Those kinds of things, right? Yeah. I, I'm I'm thinking sometimes I'm thinking like do I do this? We don't usually do it like that. Like criticism isn't really something that we struggle with, but I'll definitely be like, "Oh, honey, are you going to wear those shorts with that shirt?" <laughs> <laughs> it's my very subtle way of saying you shouldn't wear those shorts with that shirt. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, used- I, I I mean, how many times do I tell the Tiva store? Tiva I know, story? right? You know, I, instantly what I thought of. Yeah. I know. It's like, you know, Harlan or the fleece fest, honey, you know, it's 85 degrees outside. Right. So, well, that fleece fest might be kind of hot. So, (laughs) okay. I'm having a hard time breathing when I look at you because I am hot for you. (laughs) The hot flash. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, isn't that interesting? It was, I mean, that's, and we're, we're kind of getting sidetracked now, but my criticism of him in that regard was about me. It wasn't even about him. Yeah. It was the way I felt about what he was wearing. Well, and sometimes like it's, you, it's just a, you know, misunderstanding. Like I, I am the cook of the house. So I make every single meal that isn't ordered out, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so we'll sit down and Dustin's always very appreciative and he eats absolutely everything and he's very easygoing as far as that goes. But sometimes if I made something new, he'd be like, oh, well, this would be you know, I think this would be better with this, or he'd like make a suggestion. And sometimes when you just like, didn't even want to cook in the first place, (laughs) some very minor suggestion feels like a criticism. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. when we're eating after I just got done cooking and all of that, you could just not actually say that stuff to me, like right then. (laughs) Right. And, or think about what it feels like to have a backseat driver in the car with you. Yes. Right. Why'd you go this way? Right. Uh, well, you should have turned there. You, you know, all of those kind of things. And criticism is 
over time, criticism all by itself is cancerous, right? Criticism breaks down the ego and the esteem of the person being criticized, whether it's your partner, your employee, your child, your neighbor, your friend, whomever. It breaks down the esteem and the the confidence of the the ego of the person that's being criticized. And nobody is going to want to be around you if they feel less than when they're with you. Mm-hmm. That's exactly so, right. Yep. Yeah. Just, I just want to say that again. No one wants to be around you if they feel less than when they are with you. So I think that's super important. Um, And all of these things really kind of drive to why do I want to be around that, right? Mm -hmm. So whether you're the doer or the receiver, it doesn't really matter. So the next thing is name calling. And this is probably, so we call this contempt, it's probably the single most destructive thing that can happen in a relationship this this like reading this on the list here is just unfathomable to me like this is something that we do not have in our relationship like it's probably why you've been together for 12 years yeah I, i literally cannot even imagine name calling in our relationship it is a completely foreign concept to me yeah and you know i'm so sad when i get couples in and somebody starts out by saying she's just a bitch all the time (sighs) or, or, you know, she'll sit there and say, yeah, I think I'm just married to an asshole. Wow. Um, And it's, and it gets worse. I mean, I've, I've heard all of the expletives, all of the names, all of the single most disgusting names. In fact, on a couple of occasions, I've had to say, excuse me, um, you can't use that word in here. Oh, my gosh. And to people who were describing their partners. Whew. And, you know, again, we're talking about breaking someone down. Now, you know, there are, there are people who say to me, well, what's wrong with that? And in, in that moment, what I have to try to understand is that that must be what they grew up with. I, I was just going to say, I almost wonder, like, where were your parents? Did they let you name call your friends, your siblings? Like, where, where did it begin? Yeah. I mean, you know, I have family members who, wa- who walked in the door and say, are you are you going to be a bitch today to their mother? Wow. And, you know, for whatever reasons, people tolerate that for different reasons. You know, I've had people say, I don't have the energy. I'm sick. I don't have the energy to combat this constantly. Mm. I've had people who grew up with that. You know, they grew up hearing it also who said, yeah, they don't mean it like that. But there's no doubt that Contempt like that, name calling, is, in my opinion, one of the single most destructive pieces of a marriage or a relationship in general. 
when we allow ourselves to be mistreated or to be disrespected, or when we are disrespectful to the to the human compassion that this person deserves, we're just not starting off on a good foot. So it when you're mad, you can you can say all kinds of things in your journal that you want. Right. Right. If you want to get out a piece of paper and write, you effing turd, you piece of crap, you blood, write it down. Fine. If that's the language that's important for you to use to vent, put it on a piece of paper, throw it in the trash, flush it down the toilet, burn it, whatever. But don't speak it to the person that you just said I love you to. Yeah. Because that's not love. No. No. All right. So, yeah, what's next? Name calling is bad. Name calling is bad. Yeah, shake that off. I know. Yeah, really. (laughs) In attention. And this... Mm -hmm. This is probably also a incredibly destructive, but it's innocuous, meaning it's like it's invisible. Right. And it's so fascinating to me when sometimes when people come in and they, they say, I didn't know that there was anything wrong. Uh, and I'm like, well, what do you mean you didn't know? Well, I mean, I just didn't know. <laughs> And and I'm thinking, well, then you couldn't have been paying attention, which means that you, that was probably part of the problem, right? Right. That you weren't paying attention. So your partner felt that. Yeah. And they're saying, I haven't, I haven't loved you in three years. And if, how is that possible? If you're paying attention that you didn't notice that your partner didn't love you had stopped connecting with you. Yeah. Wow. I, I, when Dustin was in grad school, there was definitely a five year span where, I mean, it's, it's so weird to say it like this. Like, obviously I know that like his wife and his, his children were his top priority, but we couldn't be the thing that he spent the most time on for a while. And that's a weird thing. Like he he was working so much more mm-hmm. than he was spending time with us. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's not. It wasn't even a contest. It was just insane how much time he was spending on his program. And so yeah. there was definitely like inattention, but it was weird because it was also a shared goal. It was something that we were both working towards, which is just so bizarre when you think about it. Well, and I'm not sure that the kind of inattention you're describing is the kind of inattention that I'm discussing. Because at some point along that five-year journey, you must have connected enough to say, hey, are we still on the same road? Well, yeah. And also, I think it there's a start and a stop you know when the end is going to. Yeah. Plus, if I do the math on the ages of your children, you were connecting. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) At least a couple of times, right? (laughs) And so, I mean, I mean, I just want (laughs) to, I just want to make the point that I'm talking about inattention. People who go years without 
you know, with no sexual intimacy, with with no checking in, hey, you know, I miss you. People who go years just, and often this is 15, 18 years into a relationship, right? Right. And it's, it's this complacency that becomes normal. Right. So what you're describing is an objective. You guys were in the middle of a shared objective. You were hooking up. So that wasn't completely, (laughs) there was some attention there. And, but I'm, that's not the kind of inattention I'm talking about. I'm not saying that, you know, you're building a business, you're working on a doctorate. Those are things that as long as you're checking in, you're making a connection once in a while, even if it's just to procreate. The <laughs> fact that you're doing that and you have this shared experience of, a, a, you know, nine months later, even if you didn't say boo to each other, at least you have this really magnificent connection nine months later. So I'm talking years of inattention. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit here. Sure. I'm looking down our uh, on down this list and you have roommates listed and I'm mm-hmm. wanting I'm wondering if you can explain cuz inattention to me sounds a lot like roommates. Yeah, and it probably I, you know, I think that the difference is roommates see that they're only roommates. Mm-hmm. Inattention says, "Oh no, I've got a happy marriage." And it's not a happy marriage at all. Okay. Okay. Okay, so when people are roommates, so it's many of the same similarities, but roommates often will be good co-parents. They just don't make any time for each other. They're platonically connected, but there's no romantic engagement. I know of somebody, I know of a couple who has not been intimate in years years they have children they obviously live together they're married and i uh, like it's hard for me to wrap my mind around how that works but they love each other very much at least they say they do mhm and they get along pretty well mhm those are the roommates yeah that's that's interesting and you know so Roommates might be one of those cancers that you live with, right? Right. It might be one of those those relationship woes that you both become complicit with, and you uh, you decide this is my life, and you make a silent agreement to that. But right. I can't tell you. I I cannot tell you how many people come to me after twenty twenty five years of marriage. And say this can't possibly be all there is. Right. I want love in my life. I want someone to ravage my body. (laughs) I want someone to protect me. I want someone to care that I had a bad day. And roommates don't really do that. Well, they don't do the body part, right? Right. Right. Roommates will say, oh, I'm sorry about your trouble. And they turn their attention someplace else. Yeah. And roommates is lonely over time. I, yeah, how could it not be? Right. 
I mean, so it, I would it's like a puzzle that's missing a very giant piece. Yeah. Now, also on the list, I put divide and conquer. And I think that's how people become roommates. I would say mm. less the inattention, but more this divide and conquer mentality that happens in so many families when we are overextended in our time category, right? We have kids that are doing this and kids that are doing that and these job demands and these job demands and our home demands. And the only way to fit it all in is to say, you do that and I'll do this. Right. And through the years, I've had countless couples whose children were involved in travel teams, dance, gymnastics, you know, all these things where they were at practice three or four times a week and then they had weekend events. And if they had more than one kid that was in different sports related, it was a different season, you know, or, and that, that's part of what happens when, when you divide and conquer like that. If you don't find a way, we're going to talk more about this next week, but if you don't find a way to mitigate the distance or the separation, then this becomes a cancer in your marriage. Yeah, and I I, I definitely know of parents like that. And I it always is surprising to me because I feel like maybe I I mean, I'm not un I'm not unhappy that I'm like this because I think this is what's best for our family. But I think I'm too selfish to let my kids do all that crap. Like they, they're all involved in a little bit, but like I want time to do what makes me happy and what makes Dustin and I happy. And I like just refuse. Yeah. And you know, I think I, we got a camper. I think our daughter was 11 which meant Frank was probably in college. Maybe she was 10. Frank was in college. And we got a camper. So our weekends were spent camping. We did things as a family on the weekends. Right. And, you know, we, and I also, I said, if one of you are going to swim, or I think at one point, two people were swimming. I said, okay, everybody's swimming then. Yeah. And so I became a swim mom, but all of my kids were swimming and we were doing events as a family right? Um, at swimming. So it wasn't a divide and conquer kind of thing. But I, I mean, I can see how it happens. Sure. But if that's happening, you need to be able to look at it and say, uh-oh, or what's the... Um, that's, I don't think I did that's that. That's the but. Scooby voice. I know what that's, you're trying to yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> And say, uh -uh, this doesn't work. This is going to kill our relationship. Yeah. Well, so, and it's probably, aside from killing your relationship, it's probably going to stress your kids out at some point. And it's going to cost you a ton of money. And it's just like, I just see that as being like something that just reaches into so many areas of your life and can cause problems. Right. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I want to get through this list because I know that we are running short on time. I think I have an absence of physicality. I think we've kind of covered this in terms of yeah. the roommates, the, the divide and conquering. Without a physical connection, and I'm not talking sex, because 
you know, sometimes sex isn't possible for, for physical reasons, but you can still experience physicality. The, the ability to just sit with your arms around each other, to hold hands, to, you know, drive down the road with your hand on their leg. How, I mean, how many of us do that? This cuddling for five minutes every day, you d- that's, that's the kind of physicality that is keeping the passion, the suggestion of more alive in your relationship. That's what makes you not friends, not just friends. Um, right? Do you want to hear something funny? Sure. Dustin is the fidgetiest person that you will ever meet. He is absolutely fidgety. Cuddling to him is like the actual worst where I'm like touching his body, like laying in his little armpit nook. He cannot stand it. So sometimes you get people like that. Well, <laughs> so I just, so I want we just to, to lay next to each other. <laughs> I mean, fair enough. I mean, you know, kind of, um, backing up to each other, you know, butt to butt kind of thing right. that sometimes that, but again, you're physically touching. And I think that that's the key is that you're making a connection, something that you are not going to do with your buddy. Right. Exactly. Okay. And that can be all kinds of things that we can't go into here because this is a family show, <laughs> but uh, you know, it just means something physical that you're not going to do with your best friend. Yes. All right. Right. All right. Two more things. Threats to leave. And this is kind of where the plan B comes into play, yep. right? Yeah. I don't need you. If you think I need you, you've got another thing coming. Go ahead. Just walk out the door or, you know, well, fine. I'll just leave then. You don't like it around here. I'll just leave. How can anybody feel safe and secure when somebody is threatening to leave or I feel like I'm going to be pushed away? Yeah, I I can't. That's that's another one of the things that I can't imagine doing. And I am curious, though. I do have a question about this. So do I need my husband? I mean, I, I suppose I do. but if he were to suddenly, you know, die in a car crash, I know that I would be okay. Like I would keep going. I would be devastated obviously for a long time, but I, I don't, it's not that I need him. It's that I want him around. Right. And so keep in mind when somebody's saying that we're not saying, I don't need you to hold this for me anymore. (laughs) Exactly. Right. We're saying, I don't need you to love me. Yeah. And that's usually a defensive positioning, a defensive gesture from somebody who's feeling unloved. Unloved. Yeah. Yeah. And so, no, of course, nobody needs. I mean, one might argue there's research to say that we need other people, but not in the sense that I need you in order to be me. Yes. I do need other people, that human connection piece we've talked about. But when I talk about the threat to leave, it's not because I can't survive without you. It's because I'm 
most of the time we're using that as a manipulation or control tactic to get what we want. We're afraid of not getting what we want, so we push people away. This and generally what we want is love. Yeah. This is another one of those things that seems childish to me. I this is something that I distinctly remember doing as a kid and and having done to me as a kid if if my friend didn't want to play the way I wanted to play or whatever it was like fine I'm going home you know exactly <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> yep. not everybody has emotional maturity Leslie <laughs> well that's true yes exactly exactly that's exactly what that is all right and then last but not least our assumptions yeah Oh, and if I could change the world today, one of the things that I would proclamate is that there are no more assumptions allowed on this earth. <laughs> you know, what, what's that phrase? When you make assumptions, you make an ass out of... You and me. That's you. how you spell assume. Assume, right. Yeah, yeah. Right? A-S-S-U-M-E. Right. It's... And it's, I mean, oh my gosh, the reason that that's a saying is because it's true. Right. (laughs) I get so, and and, hey, I'm not perfect at this. I make assumptions too when I'm not paying attention. I, but every time, literally every time it's like, Leslin, stop that, stop that. (laughs) But when we make assumptions, I can't, if I had a quarter, no, notice how this has risen because of inflation. It used to be a penny <laughs> or a nickel. If I had a quarter for every time somebody says, well, I know how they're going to react. Oh, right. Yeah. Hmm. No, you're assuming. Yeah. yeah. Based on history, I'll give you that, but you're still making an assumption. If it isn't happening, the only thing you can do is assume you're anticipating a reaction and it's based on an assumption that you have <laughs> about this person. Assumptions prevent us from living fully. Assumptions allow us to misinterpret, to make mistakes. You, uh, go ahead. Do you think that people who are pessimistic tend to make more assumptions? Ooh, I don't know if I've ever considered that. I, I'm just thinking of one instance in particular. Um, I work closely with a volunteer um, for an organization that I'm a part of, and she struggles with a mental some some stuff. But anyway, she makes a lot of assumptions, and they're usually always negative about other people. And I would, I would say that she's pessimistic either as a result of her disability or it's just the way that she is, but her assumptions are never positive. And I actually am sitting here thinking of all the assumptions that I typically have and rarely are they positive. They're usually very negative. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I suspect those are the ones we notice, right? Those are the ones that are problematic because if we just make the assumption that it's going to be fine, how often do we think about it again? Yeah, that's true. You know, I have no assumption that my 11 year old is going to clean his room today without being cleaned at. 
Like that is not an assumption I ever make. Well, and you're probably better off. So no assumptions. (laughs) And I, and I just want to say an assumption, you can make an assumption if you double check it. So I should qualify that and say no unvalidated assumptions. Right. It's, it's really, it's so rooted in so much discourse across like, God forbid, do not assume that Biden's lead is going to hold. Go vote. Right. right? I mean, <sighs> yeah. no assumptions. I just think it's if you have an assumption, go validate it. Yeah. Or discredit it. One of the two. It's just, it's just unnecessarily leaving the door open for you to be disappointed. That's right. All right. So I'm just going to review this list again. These are the things. If these things are happening in your relationship, you need to do some maintenance. If you're bickering excessively, any kind of contempt or criticism, name calling, inattention. If you're not paying attention, hopefully after listening to this, you will pay attention. And is your partner attentive? Are you dividing and conquering without? Paying attention to what that's doing to your relationship. Do you feel like you're just roommates? Do you have enough physicality? Have you made threats to leave? Or do you feel like you're being pushed to leave? And are there tons of assumptions? And we didn't talk about it, but this loss of interest, kind of like, well, I don't give a shit anymore. Mm, yeah. If somebody's saying that, some kind of warning bells need to be going off in your mind. Okay. Yeah. How many times have people said, I always told them if I stop fighting, then you'll know we really have a problem. And that's true. It is true. I was, I was thinking of that exact same thing when you said that. All right. So if that's our try this at home this week, make sure that you kind of cover that list in your head. And then if you need some maintenance, Make sure that you schedule it. First, check in with your partner. Second, counseling. And we're going to talk next week about the things that you do to maintain a healthy marriage. So if you don't see this, any of these things, good job. You're in good shape. Now, make sure that you tune in next week as we reinforce those things that constitute a healthy marriage. Anything else, Les? No, sounds good. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so for today, that's our discussion. For now, this is Leslie and Leslin, hoping you will try this at home. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional. 